0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. To start with our meditation, just taking your time to find a comfortable but alert way of sitting that will support you this morning. And also taking your time to register how things are right here and now. In the body, in the heart, mind. Sometimes what we've just been through, even in the the brief period of the morning, depending on when you get up, or the long period of the morning or afternoon or evening, whatever time of day it is, just noticing the impact. In the here and now of what's happening in your body, receiving whatever is happening in terms of emotion in terms of tone, feeling tone, of pleasant, unpleasant, or neither, or specific moods and emotions of any kind,
1: very strong, very subtle, receiving everything that is coming to awareness.
0: Receiving sometimes includes both a physical and an emotional component at the same time. And as we're noticing that, we can also notice the quality of mind that's here with us right now. It could be very collected or it could be scattered.
1: The mind can be focused or distracted. It can be very clear, or can be foggy.
0: However that quality of mind is, as you're aware of what is being received, any of those qualities is just what's happening right now. Very natural, perfectly okay. Noticing that the awareness receives all of it, equally,
1: even if the mind is
0: foggy or spacey, the awareness that recognizes it can be quite
1: clear. And allowing whatever is being noticed in the mind, there could be thinking, or an absence of thinking, or something very subtle, or very strong. Receiving
0: experience at the rate that it appears in awareness and noticing when one thing shifts to another. Noticing if the mind has any tendency to try or to rush ahead
1: or if the mind tends to resist something that's coming up. Again,
0: allowing awareness simply to receive the attitude towards what's arising,
1: and allow it into awareness. Noticing if there's any
0: tendency to want a particular state of body, emotion, feeling, mind. Is there wanting for something to be present?
1: Or is there
0: wanting for a state of body, heart, or mind that is present to go away? Simply receiving and allowing an awareness, these kinds of attitudes, or the absence of those attitudes. Appreciating whatever is present, awareness receives it all without judgment.
1: Continuing for the
0: remainder of this meditation in silence to receive whatever is present, allow
1: it, and appreciate the awareness that is showing it to us. Oh one of the
0: main reasons I was drawn to IMC and to Andrea Fella and Gil Fronstall as teachers is that their teachings have an emphasis on living the practice. It's something you see clearly in this Utejania style of practice that Andrea has taught for these many years. And my goal or aspiration has been to move towards living my daily life in a way that exemplifies the best human values I can express. And not not to have some kind of altered state, not to be the best sitting meditator ever, <laughs> but just to live in a good way. Um, and so that, that is why I'm going to focus on the topic I'll focus on today. When I was with you guys back in October, I can, I continued with the topic, the paramis that Andrea started in July and that, um, Shelly Galt, uh, continued with her discussion of, uh, resolve or determination, uh, the next month. And I, I talked about, uh, renunciation last month or the, um, trading of a lesser good for a greater good. So this topic of paramis has everything to do with how we can live uh, skillfully. And they are uh, sometimes called the 10 perfections, but don't let that get in your way. (laughs) They are virtues or skills that we can cultivate that help us counteract this tide of greed, aversion, and delusion That tends to underlie all the stress, suffering, dissatisfaction we experience in life. But that, you know, we can cultivate them, but they are also the natural byproducts of practicing mindfulness in daily life and doing these sittings. Um, The 10 perfections or paramis are generosity, ethics, renunciation, wisdom, energy. Patience, truthfulness, resolve, loving kindness, and equanimity. So you can all imagine how those play a role in daily life or the um, opposite plays a role. The particular part of me I'd like to explore today is patience. So in this talk, I'm going to talk about patience through various lenses, you know, how it's held, in Buddhist writings and in the context of one of the main goals from, that many people have for this practice, freedom from suffering, freedom from stress. Um, I'm talk a little bit about how impatience and patience affect the body, the ways we think, our relationships, basically the human condition. And, of course, how we can practice with impatience when it arises, and how we might develop patience. So this uh, skill of patience is sometimes called acceptance, or a nice old-fashioned word that we don't use real often, forbearance. But I think it has a nice ring, forbearing with things. In the ancient Pali language, it's the word kanti. So last time I was here, I mentioned Ajahn Suchito wrote a book about these virtues called The Paramis, Ways to Cross Life's Floods. And he refers to patience as the virtue that really moves through the whitewater of negativity, seductive reasoning, wild impulses, and doubt. Speaking of uh, us as though we were each steering a boat through what he refers to as life's floods, and the way he defines that is the feeling of being swept along by events, by the sense of being overwhelmed by, and even going under a tide of worries, duties, and pressures. So I'm guessing we've each had our few rounds with those things. So taking a moment to reflect on the white waters of negativity, seductive reasoning, wild impulses and doubts, and these tides of worries, duties, and pressures, I'm guessing that each one of us can come up with quite a long list of conditions we live with that can give rise to impatience. Most of us live in populated areas where there can be heavy traffic we have to drive through at certain times a day. There can be um Impatient behavior on the freeways and in cars. I've I've noticed where I live, people will. Uh, in, there's one section of highway where the speed limit's 75, and people will scream right up behind you, going 85 or 90, and right about a, a car length behind. And so I move over right away because I don't want to be in any kind of high speed accident with that. And then they'll scream right up to the next car ahead. So there's that. There's changing lanes without signaling. There's all these things. People using their cell phones, you know, texting (laughs) while driving. All these forms of impatience. And then, you know, there can be very long waits for medical appointments. I was quoted one uh, recently of four months ahead. I'm like, okay. Um, And we have to deal uh, with waits in, you know, other kinds of places we go. Um, Sometimes we have to deal with needing repairs or support for our phones, our utilities, cars, computers, and there can be long wait times on helplines or even in person. So there's also a lot of details about technology that we may or may not understand. And I know that that in particular can um, quickly evoke impatience in me. Um, and then, of course, we're in relationships with families, friends, colleagues, acquaintances who each have their own wants and needs that often enough may conflict with how we might have planned to spend our time. So, um, I, I bet you have more. <laughs> the words that Ajahn Suchito is using, these white waters of negativity, seductive reasoning, wild impulses and doubt, mostly seem to refer to states of mind and thoughts we have, which is so often where impatience gets turned into a habit and where we do the inner work to come to patience, and actually where we do most of the work to come to more freedom from stress. Um, Before I get into that mental work, though, I'd like to suggest that one hugely helpful ally for us, One place we can recognize impatience and cultivate patience is in the body. So as we work with the mind or the emotions, it helps to take moments to pause and feel sensations that are present in the body. Often uh, one can feel impatience in the body in all kinds of ways. Some that I've felt or that have been shared with me um, by practitioners include a sensation that the body feels like it wants to lean forward or almost rush ahead or be pulled forward. Um, just a feeling of a lot of energy in the body or even activation, tension or agitation in the chest, maybe, you know, all over muscle tension or in the head, the forehead. Um, And the aim here is not to say that this is where you're going to experience it, but to discover as you study impatience and patience, how does it feel in your body? And it may change from time to time. So awareness of sensations in the body can be such a helpful guide in recognizing the effects of, first of all, impatience on you. Um. And at times, it may be even helpful to make a quiet mental note of what you're noticing, the sensation, and maybe even the word impatience, if it applies. Perhaps, um, sometimes it can be helpful to, you know, when we know we're experiencing impatience, to bring some relaxation in, whatever ease, you know, visualizing yourself taking a mental step backwards in order to witness what's going on. So, Deliberately leaning back (laughs) in your chair or your car. (laughs) Um, It's also possible to feel a difference when you're experiencing patience. There can be ways that ease or patience are present in the body and the mind. There may be more spaciousness. And it can be so useful anytime one of these virtues arises or a quality that we'd like to reinforce and cultivate more of is here, feel it, appreciate it when it's present. So I'm just suggesting that it's useful as we, even as we explore mentally, to return attention to the body from time to time. Meanwhile, cultivating patience has a lot to do with how Our relationships and our interactions are experienced in our thoughts and minds. And it's not just relationships with others. It's our relationship with ourself. Um, So Ajahn Suchito wrote that the Buddha referred to patience as the supreme purification practice. So I'm kind of intrigued by the way our meditations and mindfulness in daily life gradually transform the mind and heart. And I take that to mean uh, to to be what is meant by purification. That word can be a bit misleading because it can bring up Western uh connotations of pure versus impure and I think it 's better to drop that and work with the idea instead that the intention behind the word was a way of recognizing that our minds um, and hearts are sometimes conditioned in ways over the decades that aren't so helpful to us. So the not-so-helpful conditioned habits of mind, including impatience, that lead to suffering, stress, dissatisfaction, are sometimes called hindrances. And maybe that gives more of a sense that the mind is subject to all these things that cause us suffering. The mind's weighed down with hindrances, and it's not free. And the mind, as it as it releases those things and as it transforms through mindfulness in daily life and through our meditation, is unhindered or becomes more and more free of stress and suffering. So often the first things we're aware of when we begin a meditation practice are things like how the mind jumps around and is all over the place. Um, it's restless, it's distractible, and it has a lot of preoccupations. It's doing so much work for us all the time. And we're cultivating patience when we meditate and just consciously come back to awareness and what's coming up in awareness again and again. You might not think of that as patience, but it is. Um, we're cultivating it in daily life when we just see, um, that the mind's been off somewhere. And we notice the return of mindfulness aware- or awareness sometimes throughout the day. Um, as we practice meditation, mindfulness, and daily life, we can often start to see how many habits of mind lead us to difficulty. Um, we may even start to see patterns of how uh, difficulty gets started. And by practicing And in this way that we are patient over time, old conditioned habits of mind that don't work for us start to show themselves. We become aware of them. And over time, they gradually can soften or fade or even drop away quickly. Maybe you've noticed this, that something that you used to do all the time isn't here anymore. And, you know, you're aware that it's because of meditation. So choices open up for us to do new approaches that don't cause the same difficulties. And after a while, we stop going down the old rabbit holes that we come to know cause difficulty. So this process of reconditioning or deconditioning the mind of recognizing and releasing old, unhelpful habits is gradual, sometimes very gradual. A lot of us are signed on for the lifetime plan. I'm, I'm one of those. It's, you know, I can see that it's dedicated practice for many years. And that's not a problem because my life continues to be more and more happy, more and more peaceful. So whether or not we think of patience as one of our strengths, we do make a lot of use of it in uh, using Mindfulness along the way we may struggle with certain things again and again and uh when we realize it doesn't work just seeing that one time doesn't make it go away right we often have a first have an intellectual recognition of it and that's a great start and then we have to kind of see it and unwind it more so um ultimately what we have to do which is Counter to our maybe our natural impulses is that patience requires that we learn how to be present with uncomfortable, unpleasant feelings that come along with stress, dissatisfaction, and suffering. We actually have to be with those unpleasant feelings without running away, without pushing them away, without avoiding them. We also have to be with the difficulty, whatever it is, without getting reactive and adding more fuel to the fire, which is another whole aspect of patience. When we learn to be present with feelings and situations we don't like without adding anything to our suffering or without running away from it, that's when we're really integrating patience. And that is the road to ending the stressing and suffering. Another way that we learn to work with our conditioned unhelpful habits that goes in the direction of patience or freedom has to do with having a kinder and more realistic view of our humanity of various cognitive errors that come with this human brain. One of them that we're prone to that I notice people become very impatient with themselves around is the idea that because we've experienced a particular emotion or even a particular thought or opinion frequently, that's who we are. So maybe you've heard people talk like this. They might call themselves a depressed personality or an impatient type or unflappable or hot tempered or, oh, I never get angry. You know, all these self descriptions that go on and on. But when we identify in that way with emotions, we equate them with who we are. Um, or even if we equate views and opinions that we've held for a long time over, maybe even over a lifetime, We're reinforcing impatience in ourselves. Um, And it's not even realistic. No one's emotions are always a certain way, even if they frequently come up that way. And something that confounds opinion and political pollsters is that a lot of people hold a mix of views that are not easily categorized and not easily tracked. So polls are notoriously inaccurate for that reason. So we're sometimes even on the receiving end of other people's attempts to categorize us in ways that reduce their discomfort. So in our own hearts and minds, we're usually well-intentioned people doing the best we can with conditions in our lives. And one source of unpleasant feeling, and I'm kind of going through a lot of different sources here that give rise to impatience, just to, you know, give you... you. Uh, A sense of some of the territory, and I hope you just allow it to drift by, and you pick up on anything that applies to you. Um, But one source is uh, not being understood or being blamed for something. Um, Ajahn Suchito shares this quote from the Dhammapada. They blame one who remains silent. They blame one who speaks much. They blame one who speaks in moderation. There is no one in this world who is not blamed. So when someone doesn't understand us or even mischaracterizes us, we can feel impatient. Does it work to defend ourselves? Not usually. The person not understanding or blaming may respond as if we haven't listened or understood their point of view. Does it work to ignore it or run away from it? or counterattack. Also, not usually, because those reactions often cause others to get louder in their complaints or treat us more harshly. It doesn't work with Im- for impatience to turn into ruminating, venting, raging, despairing, complaining. Those are ways to add fuel to the suffering and get swamped by the unpleasantness of it. And they even have a high probability of maybe spilling over into others in our lives. It doesn't work to harden our hearts and minds or dull ourselves, numb out in resignation, apathy, shrug it off without addressing it or even just put up with it until it goes away. That's not exactly freedom. That's more avoidance in a different form. So... Going through this list, another condition habit many of us have is wanting to be praised or at the very least to have our work or contribution recognized. How many people here, though, have experienced the phenomenon of not getting recognition for your contribution or maybe even seeing others get the credit? um even if we get praised or gain a good reputation or even fame from what we've done when that ends or the tide turns against us in because human beings have all these different opinions that can be another experience of suffering so sometimes people find themselves suddenly on the receiving end of a bad rap from another person or even a group Based on a complete misunderstanding, someone doesn't like something you said or did or they don't understand it and suddenly they're holding it against you. So the way that this is talked about in Buddhist circles is that we're subject to the four worldly wins, praise and blame, fame and disrepute, gain and loss, happiness and unhappiness. Maybe those are actually eight wins, but they call them the four worldly wins. And they're called out as, as causes for again uh suffering if we identify with them, if we think of them as who we are, or judge our value as a human being based on those. So, in sum, we hold all these attitudes and assumptions in all of these different ways. The things should go our way. We're we're good people. Life should be comfortable. Our bodies shouldn't experience pain. Society should be fair and peaceful. And when things don't go our way, one response is we might feel impatient. But instead of greed, uh, hatred, or despair, aversion, you know, maybe hatred's too strong a word, but aversion, despair over these common experiences, we have this opportunity to cultivate patience. And an aspect of it is being able to recognize and name what's going on, see it, know it. Wow, here it is, suffering, stress, dissatisfying conditions. And then we can know all the ways the mind reacts to common human social conditions. The way the mind, thinking mind, is subject to cognitive distortions about ourselves about other people, and we don't have to add to any of that. We actually can bear with these waves of discomfort. We can investigate the conditioning that underlies it, and we can meet this human condition with patience. We can persevere with the discomfort. We can be present with it. We can feel the unpleasantness that comes with it for as long as it's there, we can open the mind, open the heart, and learn to be with these conditions without having a deadline or an agenda for them to go away. Now, all this doesn't mean we have to be totally passive. Of course, there are important skillful steps that we apply to come together with others, um, and ourselves in compassion, change social conditions, change relationships. Those are very important. And in fact, some impatience is actually based on societal, job, family, and internal pressures to work hard for good cause, you know, to work hard for improvement to oneself, the family, you know, our work. And we're encouraged by our culture to go faster and do more, have more, be more, self-improve and improve all the conditions around us. Improvement's great, but we can be conditioned to carry so much internal pressure around these kinds of improvements or our to-do list or our plans that it can even cause restlessness when we sit down to meditate. So some people describe a sense of guilt that they shouldn't be so self-indulgent in taking time to meditate, or they feel an internal physical pull to get on with their incessant list of things that have to get done. It can create such a surge of bodily energy, maybe you've experienced this, that you can feel yourself almost jump, wanting to leap up off the meditation cushion or chair. And if you don't have that, Notice how patient, how you have patience. Um, All of this returns me to the reminder that one of the most helpful allies we have in recognizing impatience and in cultivating patience is to turn the attention back to the body from time to time. So how are any of these kinds of experiences felt in your body? Allowing yourself to feel the sensations coming, going, their impact on you, how they tend in certain directions of action. So what I'll say to end is that there is a gift in this business of working with impatience and patience, and that is that everyone and everything that is constantly streaming through our lives Um, at times creating discomfort and unpleasant feelings, at times creating very pleasant, happy feelings. All of it is a teacher and a lesson in patience. Every single person and event can become our Buddha, our Dharma teacher, and our opportunity to become free. And that idea has helped me through many a um, challenging kind of encounter. So my hope is that in doing this survey of sorts of impatience and patience, that it that something in there may have been uh, useful to you or inspiring to you, or might uh, help you in working with the human condition. Uh, all these conditions we're prey to, and um, finding happiness and freedom. So thank you. And um, we now have 15 lovely minutes during which um, you're welcome to raise your hand or unmute yourself if you're on the phone. And share any comments, questions, thoughts, inspirations, objections, anything you'd like to share. Um, is This is our time together to do that.
2: Yes, Joanne. Listening to you, I just recalled a phone conversation I had yesterday. And at the time, just just reflecting back, it was like, oh, my God, were you impatient or what? You know, I asked this question and the person would sort of go off on a tangent. And, you know, I didn't want to go there. I didn't even want to listen. I'm, I'm like being impatient and just... You know, just reflecting on how that didn't go well, and I think the um, underlying problem for me was not recognizing my impatience. Yeah,
0: thanks. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's often something, this is a really good example, that often in conversation we might have something else we're headed towards and we're feeling that restlessness, or we might have a point we're wanting to make. We're like waiting to jump onto that point. There are all these ways just in everyday conversation um, that we can recognize this. So that's that's really great that you're seeing that. Yeah, too bad I didn't see it yesterday. <laughs> well, but now, you know, whether we recognize any of these things um, before it's about to happen, while it's are happening, you- or after, even a day later, yeah. I, I think that's really useful because eventually it works its way into now or even. Oh look at that! Mm-hmm. I'm not wanting to listen right now. I'm feeling impatience. Ha! Ah. Ah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. I have the um, same kind of set of questions for a second person, and it'll maybe I can um, really think about that when I talk to that person tomorrow, actually. Yeah, thanks. That
0: was Mm -hmm. helpful. Yeah, thank you, Joanne. Great contribution. Sherry?
1: So
2: I was wondering about um, this really working with the underlying cause of impatience as opposed to working with impatience itself. Because I see there's a impatience of expectation that you grow up with certain expectations about how long something should take or how someone should do this or how someone should do that. Um, And I think I, I have kind of an easier time with, with impatience of expectation and identifying, okay, so I have this certain expectation. I can, I'm aware of that and I can let that go and i 've gotten much better with that since i 've been practicing the last eight years. Um, I think the one that I really struggle with is um, is with impatience due to anxiety or wanting to relieve a state of anxiety so i have like for example i 'm afraid I have fear of flying, so it 's not that the flight's taking too long. It's not that the seat's too small. It's not that I'm uncomfortable, um, which are all all impatience of of expectation. (laughs) It's that I'm afraid to fly and I want the anxiety to stop. Or with doctor's appointments, if if it's an elective appointment or self-limiting condition, then I'm like, yeah, sure. I can wait months or whatever <laughs> for this appointment. Mm, but yeah. if it's like something I'm really afraid of, like, you know, I'm like, I gonna have a stroke because of, <laughs> or something like this, then yeah, then I'm impatient because of the ang- wanting to relieve the anxiety of ensuring that something, I don't have any emergent condition coming on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been working with, trying to work with anxiety as opposed to work with impatience. But I do have the impatience arises from the anxiety.
0: Mm-hmm. You've you've given a couple really good insights here. One is that, um, and I'll elaborate on it a little bit. As we notice impatience um, over and over again, sometimes we can start to understand the underlying condition. That's creating it, you know, an idea that's creating it or um, something that's behind it. And then we can address that, which is terrific. And this your note about fear and anxiety and how they play into this is hugely valuable. You know, it's a combination or one leads to the other, I, I think, is what you were sharing that you've observed And that's really important because if we can notice – well, I think Andrea shared this example before that once she noticed that she never allowed herself enough time to get somewhere, you know, to arrive with a little time to spare – That fueled impatience, and we can guess that anxiety about getting somewhere on time is underneath the impatience, like, oh, hurry up. I don't want this light turning red. (laughs) You know, can't you drive faster? All of those impulses. So thank you for pointing this out, that what we heal back are these layers underneath the impatience. Thanks so much, Sherry.
1: Yeah, Jen. Uh
3: a couple things. One is that um it sounds like anytime we're clinging <laughs> we're subject to impatience. Anytime we're I mean I heard that in your talk. I don't know if you intended that, but when we're caught in grasping then in greed, then unless we get it instantaneously, (laughs) but even that minute before, right. There's that impatience, right. When we're going for something. Mm -hmm. So sounds like an incredible practice to work with the cessation of clinging.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's another lens through which we can look at clinging, you know, because if we, you know, if we can discern that part of it, that's almost a, Oh, you know, this leaning forward or this tension to try and get somewhere or get rid of something it's under clinging, right? It's part of it. yeah
1: yeah, yeah I, I was
3: can't... no go well, ahead.
0: I was just going to say I was surprised to see those relationships too.
3: Yeah. i um one thing that has helped me sometimes is that waiting. Is an opportunity to be with awareness. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when I remember that, it's like I can experience that moment, those times as as um, as peace, right? Beautiful. Okay. That doesn't always work, especially if I'm. But the hardest, the hardest times for me is in my primary relationship, and. I am a lot better than I used to be, but still, particularly shows up when we travel, when we do car camping, Um, but at home too. Like my husband would wait for 20 days and we missed him. The minute he comes back, I'm impatient about all the ways he doesn't do things exactly the way I want him to, when I want him to.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, this is so, I mean, I'll bet most of us have, something in our relationships that could be akin to that, where we, you know, it's the person that we're closest to, that we are, we, you know, however we are, really shows up. And especially... Yeah, you you popped out and in, but just the, the idea that the person we're closest to is sometimes where we can really see this, that, you know, we have, we know them oh so well, and we'd like things to go a certain way, and sometimes they have their way, and it can just pop this up. Yeah, but, you know, I love your practice of waiting. That's beautiful. Different than straining, different than leaning forward, just learning how to wait
3: yeah
1: thank you thanks I hear too that
0: you know in in what you've each shared that this, when you can experience patience, when you can feel that understanding of yourself or that sitting back and ease, being easeful with something, it's really nice. It really feels good. And landing on that, you know, really spending a few moments allowing that feeling is really important. Because that's kind of the thing that leads to doing it more. If you're on the phone and you wanted a chance to unmute and uh, make a comment or a question, please feel free. And I just want to recognize that, again, that over however long you've been practicing, it's been a cultivation of patience, even if you haven't seen it that way. You know, there's this way in which these Brahma, these uh, paramis work together. So, for example, perseverance or resolve and patience kind of go hand in hand, or mindfulness and patience go hand in hand. So the interweaving of these factors is working on us, is is, you know, unfolding us towards freedom, even when all we're doing is just coming back again and again to awareness. It's very powerful in what it cultivates and creates in us, even without our having to strive to do it.
1: So oh, any last comments or
0: thoughts? I also welcome any like, wow, you know, impatience is not my problem. <laughs> it's nothing I have to deal with. I'm I'm doing good. Why don't you talk about, you know, any anything that you would like to hear about next week, by the way, or something that you've been working with, feel free to share that too, because I'd like to offer things that are going to be useful. So, as always, a pleasure to spend this time together. And I hope you all have a wonderful week and see what arises. Oh, yeah. I see 505418, you've unmuted. Or, excuse me, 510541. Would you like to share something? <clears throat> I just wanted to say that I really enjoyed your talk. And for me, element of patience sometimes the element of trust has to come in for me that trusting that things will always work out in the end but thank
2: you so much for your talk it's very good
0: you're welcome and thank you for that contribution of trust and how that plays a role too hard to be patient if we're not going to trust an outcome and by the way sometimes the time frame for that outcome is not not at all immediate <laughs> exactly so, yeah yeah <laughs> So, if you'd like to unmute and say goodbye, uh, you're all welcome to do that. Thank you all very much.
1: Thank you. Anyway. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Liz. Bye. Thank you, Liz. Bye, everybody.
0: Thanks, everybody.
1: Bye. Bye.